I'm going to try to keep it short today. Um, keyword try. Um, so we're actually only really covering about um, three verses. We're, we're covering verse 10, 11, and 12 in Joshua chapter 4. So if you, if you have your Bible, you open it up to Joshua chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 10. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, we'll recap a little bit, because I, you actually haven't heard me for two weeks. I haven't been up here. Uh, I wasn't on holiday. Uh, last week, we had a guest speaker from uh, Calvary Fe Fellowship Seattle, so that's Pastor Wayne, um, and he actually planted his Calvary in the 70s. So uh, he's recently passed off his church to his son, so that one of his sons. So Wayne, um, who was here last week, kind of travels around encouraging the churches and different things like that. And he was like, uh, hey, can I come to yours? And I was like, yeah, if you can find it. Uh, <laughs> so it's a bit hard to find here. Uh, but this is the space the Lord gave us. We're praying for a new space. We're praying for the vision that the Lord's given us for a new space. But, you know, we'll be faithful where we are while we wait. So, yeah, so um, if we just look at uh, Joshua, remember they're, so as I recap, they're crossing the Jordan. And if you remember, the Lord told them something that seemed a bit weird, like he told the, the priests, I want you to march out into the Jordan River. And if you remember, um, this was the rainy season, so the Jordan was a lot bigger. It was overflowing its banks, as it says. Uh, we know here in England about overflowing the banks. If you live near a river in, in recent decades, um, it's happened, you know. I remember one time, I'm like, I'm not even near a canal. I remember one time there were floods that the sewers backed up. And at that time, my house wasn't redone yet. And my drainage was in my back room, right? But praise the Lord that this back room kind of went down a level. It was just down one step. And I remember that day, it rained so hard that all the sewers backed up. And some of the, I was driving around Birmingham at the time, and some of the, the manhole covers were just popping up because of the water gushing out backwards in the system. And I'm just like, somebody's got to fix this, right? It was, it was rainy season. And I remember my back room, um, there was some nasty water back there. You know, that's why I got rid of it. <laughs> so I had to redo the drainage so that didn't, that didn't happen again. Um, but we know about floods. We know about, you know, the Severn and all of that overflowing its banks. We know that during a certain season that will happen in our rivers, right? So this is what was happening and still happens in the Jordan. So at this time, the Jordan River is about a mile wide, a mile wide. And it's just like the Lord to pick that time to show you his might, right? He's like, you know, have you ever gone through a problem as a Christian? I, those of us that are Christians in the room, have you ever gone through a problem and you're thinking to yourself, Lord, why'd you choose now to do this? All odds are against us. What is going on, right? And it's just like the Lord. Why? Because he wants to show us his true power so that we can't deny it. You know how like a lot of people like to deny something miraculous that just happened, right? There's this one time, I'll tell you this story. Um, so I was already living here. Pastor Juan wasn't here. You know, Pastor Juan is my brother. So we do construction. So we work construction and we do ministry, right? We, you know, uh, formally call it our 
tent making. That's how we make a living so that we can serve the Lord, right? So Pastor Juan at the time was working in the United States with the rest of my brothers. I'm one of six brothers, all right? And then we have one sister, uh, but all of my brothers work in the same company together. It's also called Toro Building Services on the East Coast of the United States. So Pastor Juan at the time was asked to take, you know, like uh, outlet covers off. And when he touched the screwdriver to the, the screw, it was supposed to have been turned off, but it was live and it blew up in his face for some reason. We, you know, there was a loose wire, it was touching something, but when he touched the screwdriver to it, it blew up in his face and a piece of metal went into his eye, right? So we get a text right away and it's like, hey, ask everybody to pray. Something's gone into my eye, I can't see, I have to go to the doctor, right? So we start praying, right? And this message goes out to all the people that we're friends with around the world. Hey, guys, start praying. Juan can't see out of his eye. So he goes to the eye doctor. The eye doctor checks him out, and he's like, hey, listen, I can't do anything about it. All I could do is put, like, an antibacterial kind of, like, paste in it so that it doesn't get an infection. And in a couple of days, you just come back, and we'll see how it's doing. But, you, you know, it could be bad. You could lose some sight in this eye. Right. So, um, you know, I got ready. I went on Amazon. I bought him a patch. You know, no, I'm kidding. I didn't buy him a patch. <laughs> I was like, imagine if he had a patch. I'd be like, this is my older brother. He's a pirate. <laughs> I'd totally mess with him. But anyway, so so he calls back. You know, he texts back. We're at, we're seeing how he's doing. He's giving us like, you know, just text message reports. I'm doing all right. It kind of hurts, whatever. He goes back to the doctor. I think it was like three, four days later. And the doctor looks at it and he goes, was this the eye you got hurt in? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's the eye I got hurt in. And um, so he's like, I don't see the injury anymore. It's totally healed. And he, and he was like, that's crazy. That doesn't happen. You know, the doctor's like, that does not happen. All right. And Juan proceeds to tell him, I know I've had all my people. I'm a Christian. We've been praying. I think the Lord's healed my eye. Well, I know the Lord's healed my eye. And the guy goes, no, I think it's the miraculous um, properties of this antibacterial ointment <laughs> that I put in your eye. The guy says this to Juan and Juan's like, what? And Juan goes, isn't that just supposed to like kill bacteria? And he goes, yeah, yeah, but I guess it's just got healing factors in it too. And Juan's like, no, I, I believe that the Lord healed my eye. So they had to agree to disagree. <laughs> but sometimes we're the same way, right? I'd rather, yo, um, you know, it just so happened, you know, like you get, a, you get a, a raise when you've been praying for it. So then you write it off as you're just a really likable person. And, and you're so cool that your boss gave you a raise. Instead of saying, the Lord heard my, heard my cries and, and he gave me a raise. You know, sometimes we do the same thing. And we have to stop denying the Lord, first of all. And we have to also remember to go back to the Lord and say, I know what you did. <laughs> Thank you. And being grateful. So we'll, um, if you remember, they were crossing that Jordan River, rainy season, real wide, the priests step in, the Lord holds up the water on one side, lets the other side of the water flow away. These priests are standing there. The Lord gives a direction to Joshua. He says, pick 12 men, have them pick 12 leaders of the tribes, have them pick up rocks from the center of the river and tell them to carry it 
to the next spot that I'm going to tell you. There you're going to set up a monument to remind you of what I've done in this river for you. Okay, that's what he says. So then Joshua, we don't hear that Joshua is commanded to make uh, a monument in the, in the river itself. But Joshua proceeds to get some rocks, make a little monument in the river where it will be overflowed. And we were saying this is a picture of that inner life. Because when God does great things in our lives, there will be the evident um, great thing that everyone will see and say, oh, wow, and ask you questions about it. How'd that happen, right? But there's also an inner work that happens in you that's between you and the Lord, right? Like the Lord bolsters your faith in him. I know that when the Lord's heard me and he's helped me, it's, it, it, it has strengthened my faith. That the next time we come to the same trial, I'm like, the Lord did it then, he can do it again, right? And you have, you have strengthened faith. And, and I, would, I would say you don't even need to have increased faith. That little mustard seed that you have, he's made it stronger. Because remember when the disciples asked Jesus for more faith, Lord, give us more faith. And then Jesus proceeds to tell them about mustard seed faith. Hey, have you ever seen a mustard seed, right? You ever, you ever have that really nice mustard with the seeds in it? Some of us may not like that. I like it. I like it on ham. Um, so you ever see those little seeds in there? Those are mustard seeds. That's a little seed. Imagine trying to plant one of those. I'd lose it, you know? That's a mustard seed. And the Lord says, listen, you only need faith like a mustard seed. But he doesn't say you need bigger faith. He says you need persistent faith. That faith, that little mustard seed faith that keeps knocking on the door and saying, I need your help. I need your help. I know I keep asking you about this thing. And then the Lord gives the parable about that old woman, the old widow that goes to the judge that doesn't fear God or fear man. And she consistently is persistent in asking him her request and saying, I need this, I need this. And finally, the judge who is evil, who doesn't love the Lord and doesn't fear man, finally says, give this lady whatever she wants. She's just going to kill me with her persistence, right? And the Lord says, if that guy is going to do that, how much more a God that loves you? We need persistent faith. So we see this. Um, we see that the inner or that hidden devotional life that Joshua shows us, he makes a monument in the middle of a riverbed that will never be seen again. Joshua knows it's there, and the Lord knows it's there. It's like that inner work in us. Remember, that bolsters our faith, that inner work that he's done for us. We know it's there. God knows it's there. So that inward work on our hearts that only God sees. And we see. We know what happened. So um, then we jump into verse 10. The priests who were carrying the ark stood in the middle of the river. And then we're told why, right? Until all the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua were carried out. And sometimes we may sit there and think, what were the commands that they were waiting for, right? So one of them was 
to get to the other side of the Jordan River, to enter the promised land. That was one of the commands, right? So they had to sit there and wait. These priests had to stand there and wait. And we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really hammer down on this a little bit more in a couple of weeks um, on the live stream. But what they were waiting for were, one, the people to get across. Now, if you think about it, there's, there's a million plus people running across. So, you know, about as many people or more than live in our city, in Birmingham. These priests are standing there just in the middle of the river because their obedience is what's holding back the river and the presence of God being with them. Now, if the priests were like, yo, listen, man, these people are taking too long. I'm out. I'm going. I'm leaving. That disobedience would have cost things, right? And that's what we find. I have a couple of friends in the military, and they tell me this. I'm always like, hey, disobedience messes up things. They say, no, Dave, disobedience costs lives. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you took it too far, man. <laughs> but it's true. Disobedience costs us more than we were ever willing to give up. You understand that? That when we run along in sin and do whatever we want, disobedience costs more than I was ever willing to give up. Ever. And the Lord tells us that everything that sits in shadows will come to light. He will make sure of it. And if that makes you uneasy today, you might need to do some repenting. You might need to go fix some things. And that's cool because our Lord is about us fixing things, going to him. There have been times in my life where I just have to run to the Lord and say, I got to fix this, Lord. I'm so sorry. I do not want to walk in this way anymore. I repent. I want to walk with you. Just like it says in, in 1 John, to walk in the light as he is in the light. You know, like some people are always kind of nagging me saying, yo, man, you use Facebook. They're going to know everything that you do. I'm like, good. Then they're going to find out about Jesus. Right? I need to be clean about my life so that when they're poking around, I don't know who is, whoever's poking around, all they find is the gospel. They'll be like, yo, we either need to leave this dude alone because everybody's getting saved <laughs> or we got to go somewhere else, right? That when we come out into the light, Jesus is glorified. Peter tells us about this the way that we live our lives so that when outsiders, even though they may want to accuse us, they can't. Not because we hid it well, but because we lived it well. Right? Not because we hid it well, but because we actually lived it well. With the strength of the Lord. Because, hey, listen, when you're trying to be good, it's hard work. When you're trying to honor the Lord, that's hard work. That's why we need the Lord. We need his Holy Spirit to help us to walk in this life. Hey, listen, the Lord isn't about just grit your teeth and bear it. The Lord's like, let me empower you to live it, to actually read these words and apply them to your life and worship me as you live. Day in, day out, whether you're awake or asleep. You know, so, so these priests are being obedient until all the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed. So it's their job to get across. It's the priest's jobs to stay there 
and to hold that ark and to stay in their place and to wait. And then we're going to meet another, you know, another team of guys and they have a different job. All right. So it says, and when everyone was safely on the other side, the priest crossed over with the ark of the Lord as the people watched. The armed warriors from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh led the Israelites across the Jordan. So here we meet the other guys that are doing their job, right? Just as Moses had directed. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about this next time. But what did Moses direct? If you remember, these three, you know, these two and a half tribes had seen the other side of the Jordan. They had taken out all the kings on that side. You know, if you guys remember, I was talking with my daughter about this. One of the kings on that side, his name was Og Obashin, right? If you remember, Og slept on an iron bed that was 13 feet long. It wasn't because he had a big ego. It was because he was a big man. And it said that he was a giant. And I think it's something like he ruled over 91 cities. I mean, you know, if our mayor was 13 feet tall, I'd be like, yo, bro, take whatever you want. <laughs> right? I'm going to be at church where you can't fit. <laughs> Lock the doors. <laughs> so, but, you know, who's going to contest him? Who's going to say, you know what, Og? You know, it's like um, when somebody that you're scared of is nowhere around and you talk big, and, but then when they enter the room, you're just like, yo, what's up, man? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> oh, Og, I was just telling everybody about you, how cool you are, you know, because you're scared. Everybody was scared of Og, and the Lord gave them the might and the power to take him out. Said it wasn't even a, a contest. Slaves. That's who took him out. A community of slaves. And it, it isn't like, oh, yeah, they trained all the time or whatever, you know? You hear about, we hear all these glory stories about, you know, I, there was this uh, receiver in um, American football. His name was Jerry Rice, right? And when I was told about how he trained up when he was younger, his father was a bricklayer. So his father would throw bricks at him and he would catch. I mean, Jerry Rice, you, when you watch games, this guy could catch anything in his vicinity. I mean, I know a lot of you guys don't follow American football. I haven't followed it since I lived here. But man, when I was younger, I lived and breathed American football, right? You'd see, you'd get posters of Jerry Rice and it would just be him like reaching out like this, like some <laughs> celestial reach out and the ball's just at the tip and you know he got that ball. He caught it almost every single time. He caught it so well, it made any quarterback, the guy throwing the ball look good. And, and you, we love those stories, right? You know, and, and we kind of think, yeah, yeah, these Israelites, yeah, man, you know, they were training up when they were slaves. They'd throw, they would throw bricks at each other's heads, <laughs> train up. No, no, they were weak, and the Lord was strong in their, on their, their behalf. And you might look at yourself in the mirror and think, man, I'm weak. Hey, the reality is, against this world, we are. I know some dudes that like, like to talk trash to the devil. I'm like, yeah, you better calm yourself down, man. <laughs> devil ain't no joke. The only defense we have is Jesus Christ. Not your, not your muscles. <laughs> you know, like, 
you know, I, I remember this guy one time, he's like, yeah, yeah, if the devil comes up, I'll rip the horns off his head. I'm like, all right, bro. You stand out here in this dark alleyway, you keep talking that trash, and I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know? And we're told in scripture that men speak stupid things, right? Because we think we're big stuff, but we're not. We have a big God. If you trust Jesus today, you have someone that fights on your behalf. You have someone that will stand in the riverbed with you. That's why those priests were okay, because of the presence of God there with them, and they were being obedient to what God had told them, right? And, you know, what I normally say, people will say, man, you're from New York City? I remember sitting there in the immigration office as I was getting my, uh, my visa to live here, like my indefinite leave to remain. That means I could come and go forever, right? Now I'm a citizen. Uh, you know, I, I'm a citizen of, of the UK, which I think, you know, I feel kind of bad because it still says British citizen born in New York City. And I'm like, yo, man, can't we change where I was born? What if I want to be Welsh, <laughs> right? <laughs> what if I want to be Scottish? Yeah, but they didn't give me that. So, <laughs> so, but I was sitting in that office and I remember the guy looking at me. I sit down and he goes, hello, how are you today? I said, yeah, I'm doing fine. And he goes, oh, you speak English? Yeah. He goes, where are you from? I said, oh, I was born and raised in New York City. Like, bro, you have my paperwork. <laughs> like, just read, right? And he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, I don't know. And I made the joke. I said, I was going for like pizza in Brooklyn. And then all of a sudden I was in Birmingham and I don't know what happened. <laughs> I like doing those jokes on people. Like, the, like when, um, when I, was going to, um, I was going to get an injection, right? And they were like, oh, here are all the, the side effects that happen with this injection. Uh, would you, do you have any questions? I said, yeah, yeah. How long does it take for my super strength to come in? And the guy looks at me like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I'm only playing, man. <laughs> I'm only playing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know I don't get super strength like in the first year. <laughs> so I like fooling around. But anyway, so um, yeah, what I told the guy was this, and he didn't understand. It went over his head, and it's something that I tell people. I say, listen, I would rather be in the Lord's will than anywhere else. Why? Because I know God's standing with me right? I don't care to be anywhere else. I don't care. That's why I'm okay here. I'm good because God wants me here in his will. I'm good, you know? And I pray that we would all become okay with that. Sometimes we could sit there. Sometimes I could sit there and like lament, right? Oh, you know, the days that I was in the States. And I, I don't do that. I don't want to do that, right? Because I don't want to be ungrateful to the Lord, but we can, right? We have the opportunity to, but we also have the opportunity to deny that and say, you know what? I'm not going to complain. God's got me in a good place. He's good to me. He has been with me thus far, right? Like Samuel said, they're fighting battles. He puts down that Ebenezer stone and he goes, the Lord's been with me thus far. He hasn't let me down. And that's where we want to stand. Grateful, 
knowing that even if we're standing in the dangerous riverbed with walls of water coming up next to us, I mean, you could probably hear the water rushing and the wall rising, <laughs> standing there. All right, people, let's get across. Come on, today, today, you know? But everybody has their job. Imagine if somebody walking by doesn't understand what the priest is doing. Hey, hey what are you doing standing around here, man? Let's get going. And the priest has to say, I have a job. You keep going. I got to fulfill my, my duty. I got to do my job. And it shows us just the, this Old Testament picture of what the body of Christ is like, right? I have a different job than other people. I have a different job. You have a different job than other people in the body of Christ, in his, you know, his whole church worldwide. And we could read about that. We read about it in Romans 12, verse 4. I'll read it to you real quick. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. What they mean by Christ's body is the different believers around the world. We make up one body, right? So a lot of us are like, yo, that church down the street, yo, they're doing better events than us. Man, I don't care. They're my brothers and sisters. You know, let them do what they do. That's, that's great. I'm not, I'm not here to like have church fist fight. <laughs> you know, like turf wars. No, that's cool. Bless them. Let them keep following the Lord. So we are all... Um, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We all work together. We all love each other. We walk together. So we see that. So we're made equal, but we have different jobs and all different parts of the same body. And we need to, like when we feel the Lord's telling us to do something, we need to actually check with the Lord and the easiest way is to check God's word Check to see his eternal word will never change. You know, like if you're like, yeah, maybe I think the Lord wants me to go punch that guy in the face. Hey, go check in God's word. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. <laughs> All right. Maybe you got, you know, a different message and the Lord's telling you to go love that person. But instead, you'd rather punch that person. Don't get your signals mixed. Go check before the Lord. OK, so, you know, just a joke. Don't go punching people. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, the Lord wants us to share his life with us, with each other. He wants us to share uh, the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know? So those are the things that we can, that can flow out of our lives. So we need to kind of uh, test what we're feeling the Lord is leading us to do uh, with God's eternal word. And we aren't all made to do the same job. So it's easy for us to stand there and try to judge another, right? You might say, you know, how come, you know, whatever, how come this person doesn't buy that certain thing? Well, their money is not your money, you know? It's one thing if they're being evil with their money or foolish with their money, you could talk to them. But if they're serving the Lord... And you're sitting there and be like, yo, bro, I don't know. I know you got plenty of money. I don't know why you didn't buy that Ferrari. <laughs> and then the person's like, well, the Lord hasn't called me to do that. He's called me to use my money on the missions field or something like that, you know? So um, there's, 
sometimes we get too mixed up in trying to judge our brothers and sisters. And scripture tells us through Paul that every servant will stand or fall before their master. Jesus Christ is our master. You're not anybody's master. So we just need to back off if somebody is actually trying to be faithful to the Lord and what they do, just, hey man, that's you before Jesus. It's not my judgment, you know? Um, then we see that um, they did as Moses had directed, so they're being faithful. They are also doing their jobs, right? It would be strange for the priest to then call out to one of the warriors and say, hey, where are you going, man? You, you should be helping me out. No, but it's their job, right? It's the priest's job to stand there, not the warrior's job. The warrior's job is to go lead the people into battle. So allowing them to do their jobs. The other thing that, um, and the last thing that I see here is just another picture of the Lord and his kindness. If, if the priests went out there um, on their own, they were in danger. But the Lord's presence was with them. We know that. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and the Lord said, my presence will be with the Ark of the Covenant. My presence will, be, will tabernacle with you, and the Ark of the Covenant is where you can meet me. So when these guys are carrying that Ark, the Lord is with them. He's standing there with them. And as we are following the Lord, reading his word, trying to be obedient as we live this life, even if people give us a hard time or whatever, and we just continue to show them love, we continue to, you know, not just, hey, love, man, like, like we're a bunch of hippies. Like, no, but true love, like the Lord tells us to, to love our neighbors as ourselves. You know, like I explained it to the girls, Jesus put it this way, he goes, you know, do unto others as you will want others to do unto you, Right? So if you don't like getting kicked in the shin, don't kick somebody in the shin. It's really easy. It's broken down for us. If you like people talking to you, go talk to people. If you like, if you like flowers as gifts, give flowers as gifts. You know, like, and the same measure that you use will be used back with you. So you know, we see that the Lord is good. The Lord Jesus, in, in the New Testament, we find that Jesus doesn't leave us alone, just like the Lord didn't leave these priests alone. He didn't leave the people crossing alone. He was like, all right, listen, I'm really busy. You guys do what I told you to do, and I'll be back later. You know, it's lunchtime. I got to go catch a nap. No, he stood with them. However long it took for them to, to accomplish this, he stood with them. And that shows me that God's heart has not changed. You know, sometimes people look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and they say, oh, it looks like a different God. No, same God. The heart of a father. The one that says, my children can't make their way out. And that is the salvation plan that has already been enacted. My children can't make their way out. My children are stuck in darkness. I love them. So what did he do? He came in the flesh for us, and he did what we couldn't do. We find out in the Bible that all of us owe a debt because we're sinful. Sin is in us. Me too. Sin is in us. We were born like that. And there's only one remedy, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when we take that free gift that he's done for us on the cross, and he says, listen, I want to forgive you. 
Just put your trust in what I've done. So in, in this sense, we stood in a courtroom, right? And all of us had to pay the largest fine, which was our lives. And the same judge that says, I have to enact the judgment is the same judge that takes off those robes, walks down and stands among us, and he says, I'll take the judgment for you. It's like a judge standing there. Listen, your penalty, your fine is a million pounds. And you, I mean, most of us will be like, oh, I don't have a million pounds. I got two million. No, I'm just kidding. If somebody says, listen, you owe a billion pounds for your fine. Let's make it a billion, just in case there's any hidden millionaires living in the room saying, I could do that. You know, any of you crypto kings. Um, let's say it's a billion pounds, and the judge says the fine is a billion pounds, and you're like, I can never pay that. I can never pay that. Hey, listen, I'm 42 years old. There is a slim chance that I'm gonna make a billion pounds in my life, all right? So that's not where I'm aiming. <laughs> It's a slim chance. And if they told me I owed a, a billion pound debt, I'd be like, you might as well put me away because I'm not making that. You know, like, but then the same person that says, that's what you owe me, gets down and says, I'll pay you. You're free. I'd be like, what? That's crazy. That's what God did for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. God in the flesh died for us and made a way for us when there wasn't a way because he loves us. He loves us. And that's such a cool thing. And that gift sits there for each one of us for free and we just have to say, Lord, I trust you. I trust what you did on the cross. I believe it. You're my king. And then we follow after him. Right? And life is good as we follow after the Lord. I'll tell you that now. Life is good. Like we're able to enjoy the simple things, not chasing after everything. And needless, you know, it's needless to say, the Lord blesses, blesses us with the desires of our hearts too. He's good to us. He's good to us. So he stands in that river with us, letting us cross over into the promised land. And the promised land, when you look at it as a picture, is living life with the Holy Spirit leading. That Holy Spirit life. Where you're saying, you know what, Lord? You lead. I'm following after you. Now, a lot of people would say, hey, the, no, the promised land is heaven. No, no, no. That's heaven. That's different. The promised land required work. <laughs> Heaven's not going to require work. The promised land required battles and fighting. Hey, when I get to heaven, I don't read anywhere in the scripture that in heaven I'm just going to be fighting battle after battle to get my home. But I know in this life, there's lots of battles to fight. A lot of them begin in me, fighting who I am, the person that wants to mess everything up. So the Lord is good. He's waiting there. And he's waiting for us, and he's patient. So if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, hey, the opportunity's there. It's like a winning lottery ticket. You can cash it in or you can throw it away. It's up to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just praise you and I thank you for your word. Lord, help us to understand. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, 
stir in us. And Lord, those of us that love you and are following after you, that you would strengthen us through your Holy Spirit. You would empower us to do the things that lay before us, that you've put before us, Lord. And Lord, that we'd be faithful to you. And Lord, those of us that hear you calling, Lord, that we wouldn't deny you, but it says that today is the day of salvation and that we wouldn't harden our hearts like in the days of the rebellions, that we would follow after you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.